Hello, Susanna. Hello, Vera. Welcome. Thank you for, for making time for this conversation we are going to have. And for all our listeners who don't know who is talking to you. May I introduce, this is Vera Franco sitting with her red locks. This is Vera Franco. She is Hello. now, oh, can you say something about you? Yes. Hello, I'm Vera Franco. I am a possibility management trainer and coach that has been traveling in a nomadic nano nation uh, called Possibilica. And I have been in the, my last few years uh, been doing two massive experiments. And one experiment that we we're going to talk about is the White Widow experiment. And what I'm, how it also is connected with my latest research that has been the decontamination of the adult ego state from the gremlin parent or child or demon ego state. And so I've actually realized how many these two researchers have been important and how they're connected. Yeah. So, and I'm also a, a space holder of this amazing uh, game world, which is called the Possibilitator Training, where people from all over the world can come together to discover, to discover what is the speciality of their non-material value, that what is the non-material value that they're, that they're naturally, they, they, they have inside of them naturally and what they want to deliver in the world. And so the Possibilitator Training is a path in the context of possibility management to discover what is the speciality. And so that because next culture, which is the culture that exists after this patriarchy already obsolete and moribund uh, culture collapses is this new culture that is emerging. And so totally different rules, totally different purposes. And so for the next culture, we need all these new jobs, you know, instead of bankers and instead of teachers or instead of um, lawyers, we need healers, we need um, conflict mediators, we need you know, so many other jobs that we don't know the name of. And so this is the path to discover and to deliver these, this non-material value into the world. So I, I just wanted to do that spiel because I, I wanted more people to, to come if they are turned on to come and to the possibilitator training. And I'm so glad that I'm here with you, Susanna, because we have been radically committed to each other's success and transformation for quite a few years now. Yes, and I'm really glad that you made the time so we can meet here and go to this very intriguing, interesting, exciting, research you've done in the last, let's say, at least two years about this th three widow state, you called it. It's not so much known. There is this one website about the three widows, the white, the gray, and the black widow. You've also done, um, you have also done a talk, um, work talk about this and it's already 
one and a half years backward and you did all new research because you're always at the cutting edge of, of the known, of the possible. And I invite you to share with us what's about, what, what is it about for the beginning with the three widows, with the white, gray, black widow state and how is this connected to gremlin box and being? Yeah, so first of all, gremlin and box as well. Uh, the box is one impossibility management, we call this um, dead program machine that contains all the memes, all the beliefs, all these opinions and habits, all the rules through which we, like all the personality, culture, all the rules through which we live our lives. That's what impossibility management, we call the box. And we call the box because it's not a live thing. It's just the it's just the box, and the gremlin is the active part of that box. So the the box's purpose you cannot destroy the box. You know, there's a lot of um, spiritual traditions that are about killing the box, the ego, you know, the ego death. But the box is there as an interface to um, to be interacting with the world. And so it's impossible in management. We don't care about uh, destroying the box, but we want to expand it so that those rules that we have we can make new rules. We can make new distinctions. We can make new, uh, form new opinions, have new perspectives. And so the purpose of the box that it has been originally in a super noble uh, purpose, which was to survive, to survive the first years of life, survive the culture, you know, to so that a child can really learn what it is to be um, like what it takes to, to be living in this culture, in the culture that it is in, it needs a set of rules. And so that forms the box. But at some point in the child's life, when they become teenagers, they're supposed to go through initiatory processes so that it changes the purpose of that box from survival to uh, expansion, to transformation. So most people in this planet do not have not gone through authentic initiatory processes. So this means that most people on this planet, their purpose, their main purpose of their box is survival. So survival is very important. And it's not a bad thing. You know, surviving is a completely noble purpose. But I think at some point, you might want to do something more than surviving. And so this is where adulthood comes in. Instead of surviving, we can live. What is, what is it about living? And so the gremlin, so that's part of the box is the programs. It's the dead machine. And the gremlin, it was what we call the active part of our box. It's the part that breaks all the rules is the part that is sneaky, that lies, that has a purpose like control manipulation. And it, it's, it's their purpose to break rules. And it's, and it, the, the gremlin's purpose is also survival until it also goes through an initiatory process from survival to transformation, to non-linearity. Because actually the, the gremlin, and I'm saying this really short, so if you want to know more about it, go to the uh, yourgremlin.mystrikingly.com website, is that the gremlin's biggest purpose is to be the source of non-linearity in your life. And it should be a service to you, not you being in service to it. 
And so this process of initiations can transform a person's life into, instead of surviving, into living. The, the widows, you know, we were talking about the widows. The widow strategy came from a black, black widow, you know, the animal black widow, which is a spider that basically what it does is it mates with a mate and then so has sex with it and then kills it. And so this is in human interactions, it's a survival strategy. It's to use any, a widow is any strategy that uses your sexual energy to get a certain result, to get a certain result for survival. And the difference of colors, the black widow, the white widow, and the gray widow is the, the amount of destruction or the amount of um, hostage that a person is to their survival strategy. So basically the black widow is, is a way to handle being sexually abused as a child. So sexual abuse doesn't automatically lead to white, to a black widow strategy, can also lead to other things. But most of the black widows have been sexually abused and it creates this massive confusion in the being about who the person is, who to trust, who owns your body? When a, when a person is sexually abused, they lose tr confidence in, in their own limits, in their own body, how to make boundaries, what to tell others, what keeps secret, what experiences are, makes you feel good, but also hurt and are bad. So this is a lot, there's a lot of confusion. And so by being sexually abused at a young age, for example, this forces the person to engage in sexual and energy interactions that have this mm, that have this um it's like they're so inappropriate they're 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 done at such young age when there's no distinctions and there's no distinctions about consent and so that sexual energy comes in as a way to that's how i should be in the world and so the the black widows basically they don't know about this, but their main strategy to live in the world is to take revenge, to take revenge on this horrible thing that happened to them. And so they, and, and they act in the world with, with like a very aggressive or some, somewhat aggressive, like hard seducing sexual strategies. They're the ones who like sit across from the main power of authority uh, like in a circle or in, in a class or something, they just sit around in the front, this kind of like, it's my power, you know, like just imagine, it doesn't have to be this kind of clothing necessarily, but it's usually like super sexy clothing or you know, black leather trousers and high cleavages and to show power through sex, through, but with the predatorial um, energy. And a lot of the times the black widow could be man or woman does not understand, does not get that they're, they have a revenge because in you know, modern like in, out there in the world, nobody admits to wanting revenge. It's a bad thing, you know, it's not. And so they don't see that part of themselves. They just see as an empowerment, it's doing my job, I'm kick-ass, I'm slaying, all this, this stuff. But it, a lot of it, it has to do with so many unresolved uh, confusions 
from a sexually abused situation. Okay, so this is pretty much Black Widow. There's a lot of examples that we can give to Black Widows, but it's a, and, and, and usually, yeah, it's what we see uh, even in the comic book uh, character, Black Widow. You know, she's working as a spy. It's like from a Marvel um, comics perspective, she's working as a spy and uses her sexuality and then kills the enemy. That's exactly it. But it can be done, killing can be done physically, but can be done emotionally, energetically. Okay. Can, you can try to destroy a person's soul. And so this is what Black Widows do. And Black Widows usually really don't come to transformational spaces, to real transformational spaces. The, the White Widow, which is the most uh, common survival strategy in this world. And this is also because in modern culture, we do not have enough distinctions about so many things. So our bodies, but we also don't have distinctions about sexuality and sexual energy. So white widows are the most um, common and they're about using sexual energy to be safe, you know, for survival. How does a, a, sec, a white widow does it they, they it's a survival strategy like mixing their sexual energy into the adult ego state white widows usually realize that they that using some like sexual energy goes a long way to get a lot of things done so when i say to survive it could be to get you know let's say a woman a uh, white widow she she puts her her hair behind her ear and smiles in a certain way and giggles in a certain way and asks a man to move furniture for her. And the man says, yes, and this works. So then, okay, so then the box says this works. And so it continues to do. And it comes, all of these strategies comes from really young age. So, and it's, it's kind of horrifying to most people in a modern culture to, to even Think, you know, think about this, but the white widow survival strategy comes from when a girl, a little girl or a little boy discovering that if they sit on their daddy's lap or in your mommy's lap and that they smile a certain way or they look really cute and pretty, then they get candies or that you, you get a new dress. Then you're, you're told that you're a beautiful girl and, and you know, a boy the same, you know, if the boy um, acts of a certain way, uh, strokes your, the mom's hair and gazes into her eyes, um, or asks the mom to dry after the shower or, or help you dress, then it creates this, um, like the mom likes it. And the, the mom gives praise for that. And so the little boy realizes that he can do this to get special attention, to get help. And it, it becomes nearly, and I say nearly unconscious, because as I'm saying this, some people will know what I'm talking about. And some people will be, I don't know, this like reaction of horrified that little boys and girls already have sexual energy in the first place. And that little boys and girls use sexual energy for manipulation, second. And the horror of the parents play along. But the parents play along because they're also unconscious about what is sexual energy. 
We have so, the uninitiated parents who don't, who are totally unconscious about how their sexual energy is mixed in every every action, yes. and this produces with the children also a kind of a disorientation. Yes, and and they they normalize it. It becomes totally unconscious. Like, of course, I'm going to smile this way because it works and my parents do it with me and they do it with each other and they, you know, I, and then everybody kind of does it in some way or a lot of people do it anyway. And so what's, what's so wrong with that? And so the, the problem, the, the question here is that what's, what's, that it's not wrong or right. It just, it's uh, an extra thing added to your interactions that are, that have the purpose of survival. Just like some people have a certain strategy of overeating when they feel fear. It's not bad that they overeat or good that they overeat. It is, but it's, it's something that it owns them. They cannot feel afraid without overeating. It's something that takes over their lives. It's not a conscious decision. So my attempt in, in, with our conversation here is to bring more clarity, more distinction, so that people can start thinking about, oh, what is really going on? Why do I do that? What is really the purpose behind it? And this brings me to the question about what is sexual energy? So for you, Susanna, what is sexual energy? Because you've been doing some experiments about this, right? So for me, the sexual energy is the energy which comes from my, from my, energy center which is my lower center which is like a fire like like some sometimes it's a small and sometimes it's really going up so it's connected to to um, a certain form of arousal mm -hmm. yeah and it for me the the things i found out for me sexual energy is linked to my joy, to my unconscious joy. So it's like interwoven, entwined. Mm -hmm. if I don't, if I, as long as I'm not conscious, it goes out together. My joy goes out with my sexual energy. It's not separated. I have no control about, as long as I'm unconscious, I have no control of what's going out. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. And it's also somehow connected to my life power, to my joy of life. How so? It also, it, there are also moments when my sexual energy takes over my power, my, or entwines with my joy of life, with my power, with my wants and wishes to action. Mm. And I'm, I'm at this point where I want to have this separate so very clear what's going on yeah so what is it for you vera you know i discovered the same thing so i had read books about tantra and sexuality and conscious sexuality uh and so i had kind of a an idea but when i did the white widow experiment which is and i'm going to speak more about it this basically going cold turkey for at least one year and not exchange any sexual energy in any single way with anyone in my life, no man, no woman, anything. 
I realized that this, the sexual energy is this, it's this basic alive, like life energy. It's the, which is a kind of a drive and it's a, it's not conceptual. It is, it, it brings aliveness to all five bodies, the physical, emotional, intellectual, energetic, and archetypal. And it can infuse my life towards my projects or towards my interactions with people or being just circulating in myself. And so the way that I, I see that it, it's not, that there is sexual energy in sex, but there is not always uh, sex and sexual energy or even arousal. So for me, the, how the, a lot of people, okay, they, can, they can get sexual energy in arousal and they can get it in, um, and in sex. Okay, that's the physical, getting more physical expression of the sexual energy in the physical bodies. What I realized that there's so little distinction about sexual energy in other expressions. And so it's this, um, it's kind of like a, a froth, like a, a special frosting on a cake. For me, and my, my, that was also my resistance to not doing this cold turkey experiment was that it just made things more alive. If I exchange a sexual energy with you, it would be so fun and everything would be, it would be like a special, like, I don't know, like shine in our interactions and in our conversations. And this is what people feel when they're flirting. For example, there's a flirt and there's like a lot of electricity in the air and the other person flirting back. And it's like, it's the best part of the day. And this is exactly what happens that people get fed. People's survival strategies get fed with this energy and and people in, in other parts of them also get fed with this energy but the thing is that they most people are doing it unconsciously instead of making boundaries or it's instead of um, using their voice instead of saying no instead of saying yes they are using it as a manipulation tool as a control tool or a revenge tool and so this, the sexual energy, this extra smiles, like how I would recognize it is there was as this aliveness, this radiance, this special radiance. Like people would tell me, I have a beautiful smile. Oh my God, my smile is amazing. And it's, it was this, you know, I was mixing like sexual energy with my joy. And of course, white widows all over the world love it. So most likely everybody would get really turned on and like alive with my sexual energy smile were white widows too that would be hungry for that kind of interaction and so it can be also in flirt which is also kind of you know seduction and then flirt and then less obvious like being nice in a certain way not being nice as in um being kind to each other but being like a little special nice a little special a little bit more charm a little a little joke that has a little innuendo or a little mm, i don't know like and you, 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 this is in ev almost every film when people say oh no you look uh, old enough to be her her sister not her mother you know all, all these kind of comments that the men could could give to the 
to the woman that is the mother of a, a young woman, you know, and then of course the mother will be like, oh, he's so charming. Uh, you know, it's it's mixing sexual energy with the mother of your girlfriend, let's say. Yeah. And it's and it is so. It, go ahead, go ahead. And it's and it's so subtle. It's as it is embedded in our culture, totally in our, our culture, in all the films, in all the books, everywhere, in the billboards, everywhere, in, in the advertising. So it's as if it's sanctioned. It's okay. As if it's that, is okay. that is the way. That is the way to interact with people. And the interaction is so subtle. There's nothing you can lay your finger on and say, this is not correct. Okay. You are doing something which is not correct. It's all with, within this cultural consent of acceptability. Yes, particularly. Really precisely on the spot and would not see anything because it's totally energetic. Yes. And it's so subtle. And, in, and it's also an exchange. It's not a one-way thing. Yes, exactly. Because and you, you, you put it to the point because it is sanctioned because there's no, people can't prove that you've done it. You know, there's couples, monogamy, uh, monogamous couples. And, you know, if, if they catch the other person having sex, they're like, ah, you cheated on me. But with sexual energy, with psychic sex, there's no, there's no proof, there's no evidence. And there's almost always chance of success because you are exchanging sexual energy. You can have psychic sex at any time and it is, and it works. If you do it-, it What is this psychic sex? What is this? Can you, can you just explain a little bit? Yes. Uh, psychic sex interactions, they're, it's like, if, if you think back and you're like, this, this is a classic example. Remember a time you're walking in a shopping mall or you're walking in the street in the center of your the town and you're doing whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, you're going to get something for your house, you're going to get a, some glasses, some, I don't know, paper notebooks, and you pass through this, the street and there's a man, we're talking about we're both women, but this also happens in the opposite gender. Uh, you're passing a man in the street what you guys do completely unconsciously is you look at each other's eyes but you look at each other's eyes with the intent of scanning scanning the env uh, environment for a possible partner or with whom you can like exchange this sexual energy so you notice when someone is noticing you you know you and 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 when you both of your eyes meet when you're crossing each other in the sidewalk then <laughs> This, this sexual, like it's just instant. It's not, it's like two, one second, two seconds. And you know that it's happening because there's like a little tingling that happens in the body. It's like, oh, he looked at me in my way to see if I was attracted or attractive or, and I looked at the same way. So this is exactly, it was um, super short, but a very effective exchange of sexual energy with a complete stranger. You know, and and the risks are are very little in, in modern culture. Like, you don't get pregnant ever from doing sexual energy exchange. You don't 
no one can catch you. You can do it, even do it next to your partner. You have your partner, and then you look at a woman. You know, and and we we know. You know, we know all these examples of like, oh, of the man, you know, holding hands with a woman in the street, and then they're like, look behind to the ass or to the bottom of another woman, and the, the girlfriend's like, ah, oh, you're looking at that. So that is like a more obvious thing, but just a little eye exchange, it, it can go really unnoticed. And, and I think women more than men have this, have this scanner or it has this intuition when even that is happening, even that subtle energy is happening because a lot of women are emerged, their, their energetic space is emerged with the man and so they can feel when the man is running sexual energy. It's like a, it's like this, this um, vibration, this like sound. Like if, a, if the man has a tune, it's like singing a tune, like or whistling a tune, and the woman is listening to that song, and then the man suddenly changes that song to a sexual song, and they can notice it. And then they can know, okay, something's happening, and it wasn't with me because I was not involved in that change. And so it's you know. We know that my point is not that it's good or bad or people should be monogamous or not, is that we know that it's happening, but we don't have names for it. And there's, in, people think it's inconsequential to do this. So this is what I mean with, with psychic sex. Even, you know, uh, fantasies or uh, masturbation while thinking about another person, you know, intently, that, that still is also uh, psychic sex. So the thing about the, the white widow is that, and how I'm, I'm wanting to bring this over is that it is, it is an, the sexual energy and the exchange of sexual energy is an, an unconscious, becomes an unconscious tool that is woven, completely woven into this purpose of surviving. Because in patriarchy, men and women sexuality have been completely distorted men and women's relationship have been completely distorted people human relationship has been destroyed you know it's it's about modern culture is about producing it's about um materialized yeah it's yeah. materialized it's yeah, materialized it's yeah. and so even in family interactions, even in uh, work interactions, sexual energy is so much imbued and woven into that, into that surviving, surviving the workplace. You know, most women, um, it's, it's more obvious for women because in patriarchy, women are prisoners. They are judged, they're um, oppressed, but men gave up their lives, basically. They cannot be men in patriarchy. They cannot be true men in patriarchy. So both, all genders uh, are affected by patriarchy. With women, the sexual energy is so visible because throughout the years, men would have power to affect things and women would have power in sex. And so this whole thing about you know, a, a woman to have, I had this in my in my exploration was I, I would enter a room and I would know where all the men were from which angle they were looking at me. And 
am I dressed? And then, I, and also this is almost this, and I've heard this from other women too, which is if I don't dress to be attractive, then I'm not a woman. Like basically, if I'm not attractive, I'm not feminine. If I'm not attractive to a man, I'm not a woman. And 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 so to to dress in a way like if I worked a lot in in, in uh, areas where there was a lot of men, like I work in construction, I worked in um, engineering, and and IT, and so to dress so that I can my voice is heard, but not to so I need to dress a little bit attractive, or I need to look a little attractive so that the man pays attention to me, but not too much that they think I'm actually interested in them. And so this is such a, gosh, it, it's such a thing that most women in the whole world have their attention constantly. Not, not just here or there with this particular person. Of course, they'd also do with particular people. Does he like me? Does he not? Does he think I'm attractive? Does he not? But with every man, and it, it becomes this, it's just such an energy drain to constantly be thinking about because that person needs a little bit more sexual energy, a little bit more smile. That person, no, 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 now they're, they're coming on to me and I don't want it. And, and so they, I need less, less sexual energy, but that doesn't go away any, anyway. So it's such a manipulation, such manipulation. And it's such energy drain for a woman and men do the same. Men can do also the same. I'm just using women because it's a lot of, like, I spoke more with women. And whenever I was in a space, I said, do you know what I'm talking about? A hundred percent of the women raise their hands. Not, not just 80 or 90, a hundred percent of the women, they know what I'm talking about. And the thing that you were saying is that people like it, right? So then you were saying, like, people like doing it. And what I've noticed is that people like the psychic sex and sexual exchange when they are attracted to each other, but they're not, they, they hate it when, they're, when it's a, a person that they don't want to be attracted to. But the, the thing is that neither the other person can turn off, neither can you turn off if it's an unconscious survival strategy. And so then you have, I'm not saying that there aren't people out there like there's a lot plenty of people men and women out there with a lot of abusive purposes with a lot of um of, of, yeah just manipulation control power over and and there is there is very little um, classes basically about distinction about responsibility for your sexual energy because imagine if you have this thing that is going on all the time scanning and exchanging sexual energy all the time running it's, it starts going below your radar you don't even know that you're doing but it's it's happening and you think that it's not happening so then there's a person that you you're super weirded out by that person sleazy has the sleazy energy and you're like oh i'm not going to flirt with this person so on the present level you're not doing it but look this is still happening and, and so it, 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 it's like when it, when it happens with a person that you really don't want that in your life, it just, it, it's almost like contaminates with this like stickiness. 
and usually people who have like a lot of purposes for um rape manipulation abuse they're tuned so specially tuned for any opportunity for this to happen and i'm not saying that it's the person's fault if they come on and rape you it's not it's not that it's not about fault but it's about having responsibility so if i you know it's like having a a lot of people get shocked when i say responsibility what's your responsibility and in having been a victim or you know having had this horrible abuse happen to you they're like wow it's, and you're blaming the victim and i want to say it's not about blame it's not about blame is what part is your responsibility because the part that is your responsibility you can change because you cannot change what the other person is doing but you can change what you are doing and so i give this example of a wallet you know i'm responsible for my wallet and a person can always you know like it's possible that i know that there's people out there that steal wallets and it is my responsibility to not leave the wallet unattended which i have and you know it's my responsibility to to pay attention where my wallet is to walk in neighborhoods that i that are safe for my wallet things like that but it doesn't mean that that i can't move in the world that i cannot have a wallet that i cannot show off my wallet but it's to 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 not be naive about how the world is and to take responsibility for what i can <clears throat> and and it's responsibility on the new map of responsibility can you say more I, about that yeah I, i i would not like to go too deeply in, into that because I, i i really want to hear your story also about it mm. so and i want to to stress especially people who are having a a long history of attracting these yuck situations where there's they are under power of somebody else yeah um it's not said that a child is responsible for this what's happening it's not the child's responsibility but it has to do something with what's going on in the child and in the situation and it's a really big view it's yeah. really a big view. it's not about blaming somebody yeah not at all especially not for sexual abuse and it's the 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 radical responsibility we are talking about is is would be a different we could talk about this two hours more and this is like a, a another, different another another conversation another <laughs> conversation i i i because i the place i want to go with you is how when it's so unconscious this flirtiness and everything and how when you get so much of benefit from this behavior how when did it start that you realized that something was going what what was going on which you didn't like mm. which was not going on with your integrity which how did you realize this some some things were going on because i i had this idea and i am so I have such integrity with my sexual energy i i know i'm flirtatious and i, I just for me it's like very my identity is flirty 
And I was so obvious about it that I would say to everybody, no, it's not, it's not I'm, and I would be very clear, I'm not interested in you. I'm not interested in you. This is just who I am. And I lived in, a, in an eco village, in a community, conscious community, where a lot of people, like almost all of my friends, I would greet with a smack in the, in the lips. Men, women, old, young, you know, like not children, but like old, young men, women, they, they knew they were my friends and, and I would greet them like that. And sometimes it would be like, I, I don't know, I was, I, I wasn't so close to one guy and they were like, hey, Vera. And then they would just like do that, you know, do a kissing me on my lip. And I'd be like, oh, okay, well, I guess I just did that with everybody. It's, it's Okay. They think they think I'm available for this, and so sometimes I would be I would be more allowed take more distance. Like I want to give a kiss when I want to give a kiss, not when not that it's just like my automatic way. So I started having a little bit of of uh, research around that. Like, do I really want to always give a kiss to someone or not? And actually, when I moved to Scotland to uh, to this community, I realized this way of being brought up. Uh, in Portugal, which is my country of uh, birth, and Portugal people they greet strangers by giving two kisses on the cheek, which is so intimate. And I'm not saying that it's good or bad, but what it is is it is assumed this level of physical intimacy from the get-go, from the zero. And so, I actually realized that wow, it's it, it is it can look abusive, you know. If, if a child a child doesn't have consent when they're they're really young, and this if this is the level of intimacy that is expected to to survive in the culture of Portugal, because I also went through those things where like, come on, give a kiss to your aunt or give a kiss to your uncle, and the, you know, luckily I didn't have like really um, you know sleazy uncles but there's a lot of people who do who have like these you know sleazy characters in their life and then you know the child's like i don't want to kiss them and and the mother forces them to do it it is it, it creates patterns in the in the child's life and so and it's the child's responsibility well when they're adults to to question that and so this is what i started doing i started questioning these things and and i thought i had you know but I'm a flirty person because I love this aliveness that I bring. I'm just so full of life. And I started getting really pissed off because I used to have like really long hair, like really big hair. It was like a huge mane and it was a bit more red than my natural red. And, and people could, you know, just know where, who I was a mile away from my hair. And then they started often, um, you know, referring to my hair before referring to me, like, ah, oh, what a beautiful, sexy hair you have. Like, that's how they would approach me, some people. And, and it was, you know, I'm just like, I love my hair, but I started feeling like, gosh, there, there's something that, like, there's something that is not working for me. And I was a young woman trying to make kind of like my name in the world, trying to get people to hire me to do facilitations of, of trainings, of courses. And it seemed that it was like it was still people were still seeing me as a cute young woman whose value in the group was to be young and cute and sexy. 
and not so much, wow, her brain is amazing. Her skill is amazing. Uh, I want her in my team. It was like, yeah, be in our team because you're like fun and bubbly. And okay, like I think also that's valuable too. But if that is the identification of my value in a team, then I started paying more attention at the signals that I was giving. And I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to like, let go of this aliveness of the sexuality that I'm like, gosh, I want to be sexual. And I don't want to restrain this part of me. And I, I got divorced. I was married and I got divorced. And when I noticed is that there was, there started to be a, a, quite a few like confusion moments as I was getting divorced and I was coming back and like into the world of like dating and seeing men and, and like, do I want to date again? Or do I want to only have sexual partners? There, there started to be a lot of confusion, like a lot of these um, situations where my intention was, no, we're just friends. And the other person would come on to me or and, and then I'd be like, what, what did I do? I, I mean, I thought I was clear. And this happened enough times that even with uh, a dear friend who um, was a close, like he is, she's a really close friend with me, but she had a partner and, and it created, like we broke, like in the way that we interacted with each other, which did not involve any sexual contact, like any sex, but the, the way that we, hugged or the way that we kissed or it, it was totally over the boundaries of their partner and it caused them to basically divorce I mean it wasn't just this thing but it it just added to this lack of clarity lack of and in, like in integrity and and so and I couldn't understand it I was like but I'm being so I have so much integrity like I, I I'm very clear I say to my friend, I'm not interested, I'm not interested, I'm not interested, but I can hug you, I can cuddle you, and we can like, you know, cuddle together, and, and, and that's it. And, and for me, I, would, I was cuddling a lot of people, in, you know, even in like group cuddlings. So for me, it wasn't like, we're not doing anything. This is, this is like a hug. This is part of me being friends with you. So, so that you see how much my concept of friendship or closeness or intimacy would involve sexual energy but for me it wasn't sex and so because of all these misunderstandings and confusions we were really painful it were really painful for all parties basically and i had a, a huge backlash in my community where people were telling me that i had slept with this other this other member of the community and all these things and it just really affected my credibility in the community i was uninvited to a lot of women's gatherings and things like that. But I started to think, oh gosh, how can I be true to myself and not cause these confusions? But I, I didn't know what to do. And so it wasn't until a training that one of my mentors, uh, Clinton Callahan, he's, he gave me this experiment to do. And it was after it was two years, I think two or three years after I got divorced. So it was, it took me some years to really get into the space where when Clinton said, how about you did this experiment and you stop feeding your gremlin with this, with your white widow strategy 
and I, I was, for me, it was terrible. When he proposed this, I could just cry. I'm like, but I like touch. Like, you mean no kissing? It's fine, no kissing. I love kissing, but fine. No looking in the eyes. I'm like, okay, that's gonna be difficult, but I think I could do it. It's like a challenge. But no hand holding, no hugging, no cuddling, no physical contact whatsoever. And and even with men and women, because I was in, you know, having this kind of interaction with both men and women. And I just my heart sank. My my gremlin really reacted, not with like fuck you or anything, but it was more of this how you know we need physical contact how am i going to spend a whole year without having any touch i'm going to go crazy i'm going to die basically was i'm going to die and this is important because this this is what people feel when they start this complete um cold turkey experiment they feel like their part of them is going to die a, a huge alive part of them that brings a lot of joy and aliveness and so these were the, the signs for me. When you are saying cold turkey, when I hear cold turkey, for me, there is an always addiction coming. As cold turkey is the reaction on addiction, withdrawal. Yes. So is the white widow an addiction? It can be. I mean, I would say that I was, I'm a white widow. I was uh, like the, my survival strategy, white widow verging on gray verging on gray widow and i i know that i haven't spoken a lot about gray widow so I'll, I'll do that right now gray widow is um comes from the you know also this confusion of trying to digest some sexual abuse experiences not as drastic as the black widow but so the person might have been sexually physically abused like could have been abused energetically sexually so some and, and more and more I've seen that it's, there's almost no one in this world that has not been abused sexually, even on an energetic level. And so this, of course, I'm in, that, I'm in that category. And that creates a confusion. And I can remember the times and with whom it happened, creating this confusion of, uh, should I use sexual energy here? Should I use, like, can I say no? Is this normal? And this is what I should do. Um, so there's a lot of, it's a mixing. It doesn't have this predatorial thing as black widows have, but it's, it's not as innocent as a white widow, which is also not very innocent. And it, it, you can characterize a gray widow because it has a lot of oozing, you know, like oozing sexual energy. It's like leaks sexual energy everywhere. So it's not just so I'm talking to this person and I use sexual energy is, is really like for everything and everybody and it becomes their identity. And so where like people go into the space and yeah. everything, everybody and, is looking at them and yeah. they only enter the door and yeah. the whole space is becoming more alive. Like if you only imagine Brad Pitt and the smile is coming. Yes. Exactly, Brad Pitt or you know Beyonce, you know people that walk into a room and everybody's aware of their own sexual energy and the ener sexual energy of that other person, which is what a lot of women want to create. This is almost mm -hmm. seen in modern culture as 
the right way, you know, like that person's sexy. Whenever they walk into a room, people's heads turn. But it's because of that strategy, not so much. I mean, often it's meshed, it's enmeshed. The person's being and natural radiance, it's then amplified by this sexual energy. And actually, I would think that a lot of people, or if not the majority of people in Tantra, uh, in Tantra communities, are great widows. No, I'm not saying that being a great widow is bad, uh, or being a white widow is bad, or black widow is bad, or good. It's not good. It's not bad. It's not stupid. It was very effective, and you learned a lot of skills, skills about dealing with people, about listening, about having uh, awareness of sexual energy. And but the thing is that, that they have been used for surviving. They have been used for manipulation, for control. And that was necessary when trying to survive. Like if a person is in a dangerous situation, they will, they will try to manipulation, manipulate the situation to get out of it, to survive. That is not a bad thing. It's a, it's a necessary thing. Now, the problem is when this strategy continues, when there is no danger, because then it becomes automatic and not real. So then people, gray widows have more difficulty in having it. And, and white widows too have a more difficulty having a, an authentic adult relationship. Black widows have a huge difficulty even in, in having a, a, a stable relationship. And, and so, or white widows, what I realized with my experiment with a whole one year is that I did not have any male friends. I did not know how to have a men friend. And I had a lot of men friends, like all, most of, of my, this is also one characteristic of white and gray widows is that it's particularly whites. The friends are, most of the friends are of the gender that you're sexually attracted to. So this was me, but all of my friendships had always some ambiguity, some little potential for maybe one day when I don't have a partner, they don't have a partner and we feel that frisky, maybe we'll have sex. And not that that's any problem. Maybe that's, I mean, that is totally fine. But the thing is that then what broke my heart was that I did not know how to be friends, how to be simply with another person without wanting anything from them in the future or without having to give anything to them so that they keep me on their good books, like any, any sexual energy. So like, okay, if that's friendship, then I have a really um, twisted understanding of what friendship is. And so that broke my heart. Well, I hear it's, it's a bargain. It's you, I want, so I have to give something to get what I want or need or whatever it is. Yeah. Safety yeah. or aliveness or, yeah. or intensity of life. And so I have to give mm -hmm. something. Go. Go, go. So this would be the, the gray widow strategy would be more on this manipulation, giving, getting, would, would be more about no. the city of life than the white widow well the white widow also does that they also do that but the gray widow uses more uh, arousal like it, it uses a more intense uh, mm -hmm. while the white widow is like 
being nice, doing little like little eyes. Uh, it's it's a little, it's not more. It's a little bit more innocent. The gray widows will use more for like they will have more flirtatious. They will be more flirtatious than than white widows. They will be. It's their their energy is if you are nice to me, you might get sex from me. Whereas the the white widow is that innuendo is not so visible. You know, it, it the gray widow uses a lot more sex in the sexual energy than the white widow. Sexual energy and sex is the is the currency, but the white widow also exchanges sexual energy as currency. They but they do it in a more kind of covert way. Uh, it it's not as intense. Uh, it's more like, for example, the white widow is like drinking from another person's glass, making touches in the person's body without just to get close, just to. Uh, whereas, for example, there was a scene in in my community where there was this lunch hall in in the community where I used to live, and I have some of my friends sitting around the table and we're talking there's men and women talking cheer, cheer, cheer. a white widow comes over to one of my friends and instead of giving a hug which i used to do a lot of that so me kind of white widow be like invading a space completely invading a space that other people are doing and then grabbing like a hugging from behind one of my friends that's more like a white widow behavior a gray widow would do this thing with like putting her hands like this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it is straight on psychic Whoa. sex immediately yeah. in front of everybody, you know, this kind of like, <clears throat> it's a, <clears throat> yeah. yeah, we all know it. Yeah. It's so known. It's everybody. Knows yeah. it. And it doesn't have to be like this obvious it could be a small, uh, tender, um, you know, like a, yes. a particular kind of touch in a finger, you know, but it is, it is more oozing that sexual energy. And again, it is not bad. I had a lot of fun with it and people have a lot of fun with it. And it's often, you know, like in a culture and modern culture where people have relationships and they have so many rules about the relationships, you can look at this person, but not look at that person. You can only look at them for 30 seconds more than that. You can't, or uh, you cannot see any men or you cannot sleep with a woman. I mean, like it, almost like relationships are not based on people really wanting to spend time together, but based on the rules and the structure and the construct of their relationship. Then of course that if, if, if you are stuck or if you're inside that prison prison of a construct of where a relationship should be part of you is going to find ways to get to get out of it right so it's, if a man is in a monogamous relationship and even if he's happy but he cannot he cannot look outside his wife you know he cannot search you know he cannot look around he cannot you know, do all of these, you're just going to find ways to, to exchange sexual energy with another person where there's no rules about. And so if a woman comes and does that with him, he's like, well, that's fine. And so this is why it's people 
accepted with each other. Like, I think one of the reasons is that because they're so constricted by their own rules of relating and 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 it's a it's a kind of looking outside their their construct their relationship construct yeah yeah and my question at this point is when you went into into the white widow experiment which is one year going cold turkey no touch no no looking into the eyes and so on and so on. No exchange of sexual energy. You are also putting yourself into a very rigid construct, mm. which mostly is no. So why this? Why, 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 why does it? My first question is, does it work? And when yes, when it works, why does it work? What did you experience? Yes, so I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't call it a construct. I would call it an experiment. And, and it is an experiment of boundaries, of keeping boundaries. And exactly because it is an addiction. And I didn't think it was an addiction and still, until I started having these nightmares or dreams that I was, that I was like betraying my experiment, my commitment, which is very often described in alcoholics that they're, They're doing, they're not drinking anymore. And then they get these dreams that it's happening. Oh my God, I drank. I shouldn't have. So I had these same withdrawal symptoms and that just gave me more uh, resolve. I'm like, gosh, this is so taking over my life. I am going to do this. So I wouldn't call it a construct because inside a construct, the person falls asleep. I'm good as long as I'm inside the construct. But I would, it, for me, it's an experiment and it's an act of research. And yes, it does work. In fact, I do not know of any other way to really get clear on the level and the depth of this survival strategy. Because I was all aware of the, my flirt, I was aware of my uh, seduction patterns, and I could say, no, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. But there was this all this part that was constantly running. And until I stopped everything, I could not see this. I could stop my, my charm like this. I could stop calling people. But until I stopped everything, I could not stop what I could not see. And so it is so effective. And I actually say the minimum is one year, but it's two, three years. So, so when you, I, 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 I just have a question there. When you stop, Okay, you say your actions, the thing which are conscious. You stop your flirting, looking into the eyes, um, dressing up, having a big cleavage, uh, whatever mm -hmm. it is. Um, so, and when, how does it start that you realize there's this exchange going below? How, yes. how can you taste this? Do you need a feedback? Uh, constellation how did you have a coach yes so it's important to have a circle of like a three cell and it's important to have at least one of the people in your called three cell is a, a group of three that are totally committed to each other's success but at least that one person on that group of support is someone who's gone through this experiment or You know, or if you have a group of three, but you're still in contact with someone who has gone through this experiment because they are able to see things that the others can't. 
because they haven't gone through those so those experiments. That's because these experiments bring distinctions that are not just intellectual, they're experiential distinctions. And so, you know, if someone, if you're going to the Himalayas and you have never been, you want to talk to someone who's been to the Himalayas about what to expect. It's great to have all of your friends that also love the Himalayas, but they have not been there. So they can't really tell you the exact information. And so, and, and how do I do it? So I, I knew that I could stop some outside behaviors. But how do I know? Well, in, on the inside, on my energetic system, what I did is I, I closed my sexual, my sexual chakra. But I didn't close for inside myself. I just closed for outside. So that meant that whenever I would go into the street for the supermarket, I would, just, I would not look anybody in the eyes. I would not look a woman in the eyes. I would not look the man. I would look down. I'd look sideways. I would pay, thank you, I would still speak, but I would not go, hi, how are you? Nothing like that. And only just this first experiment of going to the supermarket and doing that just freaked my box out, freaked my glaramin out. So I knew it was important and I knew it was working just by the reactions. And so I could, I could feel energetically this, this pull. No, I have to look in the eyes. No, but how, like this, this, which is I can only describe as this withdrawal, this, this, I have to have that thing that I've always have, this, this aliveness. How am I going to survive? And I could just, I could feel the pull every time for, for months and months. So it was the cold turkey part was really no, no looking, no touching, but also not spending a lot of time with a man, particularly with a man or with women, if they were also white widows and so i have i did i did speak with women that had gone through that process or they, they could hold their sexual energy they, they're, they're not exchanging but i i really for a whole year and it, it i i don't know if i was lucky or unlucky but it was also happened during the COVID time the first you know in 2020 which meant that i had this um what can i say this if all my friends were out and going to do something, I wouldn't go. But it made it kind of easy because there was not a lot of social events happening. On one side, it was great for my temptation. On the other side, it was much harder because it was a, a it was like this, I don't have, like, I literally cannot leave the house unless I go for the supermarket and I'm by myself, and I have these emotions, or I'd like someone to hug me. I six months without anybody touching my skin. And that was, uh, that was, I mean, I was going to say that was hard. It was, I learned that I can do other things, that I, I can hug myself. Like I bought this, I started buying these things made out of silk so that I could have this other sensation with my skin. Instead of wallowing in oh i don't have enough touch and i have enough touch and i had that support team but this cold turkey what i can say is to not do anything like i noted and it took time you know the first month didn't go really well or second month i had feedback from my friends before the covid stopped then i noticed that i i wanted to send a message to this person and i'm like gosh why do i want to send i'm not really in 
I just want to exchange sexual energy with this guy. Okay, stop. Not even, you know, and he didn't even answer me for a really long time. So I was like, okay, great. I don't even have to justify not speaking to people. I just don't answer. And it was basically like I could still have trainings, I could still write articles, I could still do my work, everything, but I would just not spend time with men and not look at them and not touch them. And it really worked. I, it was the best year of my life. I mean, it, is, it was the best year. Why? Why was it the best? What exactly was the best? Well, for once, after going through this, like, oh, I need, I need, and I don't have that sexual energy, I could say what I wanted in a space. I could, I could, um, I could, I realized that I could be in a meeting and I, I, I had, I had, I don't know, I had spent enough time with my own energy without that preoccupation is, am I, am I giving too much energy? Am I giving too less? Is, is he interested? Is he not? Or is it, does he want anything with me and I should push him away? I, all of this energy, all of this all this energy drain it stopped i had no more concerns about if that person's looking at me like that and should i look at him like this and should i move that way so he can see my best the best part of my, whatever you know all of these things you i don't know if you know this if you have this but constantly turned on i had nothing i had nothing it was silent in my head it was silent and And all of this energy that had been running, almost like, you know, you're in a house and you don't even notice that the fridge is humming. The fridge sound is going, and you just got used to that sound. And then the sound stops and it, there's just this like, oh, wow, this is what my life could be. This is what happened. I had space and all that energy that was running, it came back to me, my conscious energy. So I was doing so many more trainings. I was writing more, more things. I was doing more videos. I was, gosh, I was on fire. And I had been a kind of rut a couple of years before. And I just, I completely got out of this rut. And so after I experienced myself enough time without the, zun, the, the humming of the fridge, let's say, then I could go out into the world and recognize that hum and go like, stop it. It's annoying. Stop it. It's annoying. And so after a while that I've, I have all this space, I started to look at the space as so precious. Like, I don't want anybody in this space. I don't want any like flirty thing happening because I'm, I'm enjoying this. And so I started to, this was already like 10 months in or nine months in, but I I remember I went out with a, a group of women. I was in Brazil and going out with a group of women. And, and the men wanted to come to our table. And I said, no. I was just like, I don't want you guys here. And, and I could never say this before. I was just like, no, I don't want this. And, and I told my friends, like, look, if you want that, I'm totally fine. But I'm going to do something else. I started walking away from... Uh, you know, situations that I really didn't want to be in. I, 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 and I didn't care. I was like, 
gosh, my energy, my radiance, my sexual energy is so precious to give it away to some kind of bullshit. Is this he, this, this should I not? You're like, fuck that shit. Sorry for my, my part in my French, but it's, it was just, no, I'm worth much more than that. My energy, my time, and my attention are too precious. I, I want to choose where I put them. And that's, oh, that's, yeah, I had so much more fun. So much more fun without that, the, all those preoccupations. And so now I learn, I learn how, where I can turn it on and off. I can, I can be with a man, can have, be in a space with a man and not, I don't have this automatic, oh, I should send something so that he looks at me. I have nothing about that. And so I can just be with him. And there was one more thing that I want to say was that the, during this whole process, it was a huge healing process this whole year. A lot of emotions, a lot of baggage, emotional baggage from the past came up. A lot of things about sexuality, about my relationship with men. And, you know, if you knew me before this, and I you would never think that I would like, I'm not a man hater. I'm, a lot of my best friends are men. You know, I love men. I love women. I don't have this I hate men, fuck men or anything. I discovered that part of me that is in every woman. It is in every woman that has not done this work because patriarchy exists for generations and generations and generations. And we carry these hurts. Every woman carries these hurts against men because men for generations have killed the feminine, the chaotic, the organic, the... Um, the, the things that are not direct and efficient and whatever, and also the power in women. And so I didn't know that. I thought I worked through all this stuff, but there, I, I, I had real things from like past lives and real, um, real work, like a huge, even like um, these revenge contracts because of what, what the men had done in the 18th century to women and raping and you know, all of that came to, to the surface and I all got, got a chance to be healed. And I changed my mind in taking revenge on men. And so I'm, I'm gonna say this because for women, but also for men, all women who have not done this process themselves, they have a secret hatred and revenge of men that is in the way of their relationship, their partnership, their, their relationship with their son or their brother, their father and their partner. And the same for men, all men that have not resolved their hatred of women who have, because women have raised men in patriarchy. So every man who has not just done this work has a secret hatred and revenge against women. And it's blocking them from relating with their mom, with their sister, with their friend, with their partner with their girlfriend, whatever. So I really urge people to, to do this work. Yeah. One, one more question. Coming out of this process is also an, an important point. How did you manage to come out? How, how did you, how did, how, how did life feel? 
come to you when you came out of the process? Gosh, I because you are now you are with a partner again, or you are with a partner, so you did not come out as a man hater. No, not I, you know, I kind of came out as as I was approaching the the end of the twelfth month. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to be with any man. What if, like, what if I go back? What if I haven't really learned? What if I only can be okay if I'm alone, if I'm single? And and I think a lot of women have this that they, and, and men, they found their comfort, they found their groove in being single, and there's nothing wrong with that, with being single. And, and the, but it also comes from a fear of, uh-oh, I'm going to go back. If I have a partner, I'm going to lose all these things. I'm going to lose all this, 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 this. And basically, it's having our box run, running our lives. So, because I know that I can have like an amazing life by myself. But it's also my box is winning, you know, my, my comfort zone is winning. And maybe that's what I, what some people need for a year, two years, especially if they had really, I mean, like toxic relationships, really full of low drama. Maybe they need five years just being like, not, no more toxicity in my life. But then at some point that becomes the comfort zone. That becomes the new prison. The, I have things my way and anything that is not my way screw them and so I didn't want that to happen but I was also really um I was scared I was really scared to to have to create intimacy in relationship and and so I was kind of I felt like a a, a little chick coming out of an egg kind of going like mm, can I just is that okay and and I approach things really 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 slowly like, uh, you know, if I wanted to spend time with a man on a, on a whatever, not even date, but just be something simple as, will you sit with me under in, in the sun in silence for 15 minutes? And then I don't know if I want to see you again for the rest of the day. And so if, let's see what happens in me, let's see what happens in you, if this, um, to be to consider um, having another encounter, basically. So I just took really, really, really slowly, really slowly. And whenever there is like sexual energy happening in me, like arousal or interest, I was super um, suspicious. I mean, I didn't stop it, but I, I just got like, okay, is this the the strategy coming in to make it fast and beautiful? And, again? and so I just I took extra extra care extra slow and I cannot like my life before this experiment and there's a before and after basically my level of presence like people have told me so many times that in my trainings my space holding my mm, that my presence is totally different it's much clearer less wanting to prove myself more uh, more here and also more compassionate, less rule-based, less parent ego state and more open and, and still not taking bullshit, just like here and being with. I want to go one more step. So I hear that you take, take it slow, took it slowly and you started negotiating 
how is your relationship to men now? Because we are, you are now one year, one year out about, or how many time, how much months are you out of the experiment? Yeah, it's been 13 months since I finished the 12 month experiment. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what do you, do you find out in terms of new culture of relationship? How is a relationship working without this sexual unclarity and oozing sexuality in the space? Gosh, I, I can now be with men as, how can I say, it's like a neutral thing. They're not like my brothers. They're not my, like my lovers. They're kind of like colleagues. They're colleagues in, in research or they're, they're um, colleagues is like the term that I find that is the most neutral, but still in a, in a clear collaborative relationship. And so I have, I don't have a, for example, I don't do a, a lot of trainings just for women because I know there's a lot of women doing that, but I also won't do a training necessarily just for men, but I, I, I make moves for men to look at the stuff and i think and i and i am able to hold that space because i don't i think they feel really safe because i don't have a an ulterior motive i don't want to they feel this lack of sexual energy in the space with me they feel this um that i also don't have this like hatred like punishing them for being patriarchal and so uh, a lot of men actually started working with me coaching especially in the decontamination coaching and they gave me a lot of amazing feedback about feeling supported, feeling that I'm on their team and without any, any suggestion of anything, but just high respect and openness and warmth and just like partnership, like partnership, like working collaboration. Is that what you were asking about? Yeah. Yes, because... I have the story that's not so many women who have experience with this and can also talk about what's going, what's the, what's, what's the result of going through this, mm -hmm. this process, which you really want to, we, we both, we both really want to bring it into the world and to have um, the courage to do this, to, to undergo the process. Yes. And, and what I found is that there is a lot of aliveness. There's a lot of aliveness in adult collaboration with men or with women that don't have that extra froth, you know, uh, and that, that I can, because that was my, one of my biggest fears is that I'm going to lose aliveness. I'm going to lose this aliveness that I, that I love so much and that people love it so much. And actually I found a more, clean a more clear aliveness and a more less fantasy based less uh you know like weaving a web of manipulation kind of aliveness which is this kind of twisted aliveness in a way because it's for manipulation but i, I just found this aliveness that is gosh that is it's almost that it's pure it's It's clean. It's this, it's so clear. It's just, and, and it can be built on. And, and I, it doesn't, I don't have to, like, it's not this, this running program, keeping the, 
aliveness on. No, it's 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 built. It's there. Nobody can take that, and so it can only wow. expand. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I, what whoever hears this this conversation, this interview, I'm, uh, I'm I hope that you feel inspired to to follow to follow Vera to go into the training. Yeah. And where can people go to? Where can people go to who are interested? They can go to the website where you have this interview. It's the white widow dot yes. Is it how is it called? Yes, white, white widow. widow. Yeah. White dot my strikingly.com. Yes. White widow.mystrikingly.com, uh, which is a part of the startover.xyz game. And this is um, they can go there, they can get uh, acquainted with the website. I'm also gonna, we're gonna publish this interview as well on the website. I think it's gonna be a great idea. And and also to, to reach out to me. You know, if you, you have my email, veralfranco at gmail.com and, and yours, you know, you are uh, offering support. You know, Susanna, you're doing this white way to research with people and uh, I think it's great to just like to start noticing, you know, start noticing what is sexual energy and what is the responsibility that I can take for it. But it's, I really, really recommend, like for me, the only thing that really works for really getting free of the unconscious is to do the full thing, the full cold turkey. And so I, I've seen a lot of people trying to like reduce avoid and it's like mm, it's like really only, this is the only box yeah this is the only box trying to control the outcome yeah finding little loopholes exactly yeah it's not it's not changing the game it's the box controlling sexuality and this is in our culture so strong to control sex sexuality by cutting off yeah. certain things and not allowing and so on all the christian tradition is about control yeah. so so our research team we are we are offering is really research to get the process started to get the process started and for if you really are really wanted to, to go into the process make contact with vera yeah and with you susanna are you open for that too Yes, and I only started the process. It's not, I'm not through. Okay. Yes, you can come talk to me with my, through my email. Yeah, I'm happy to answer questions and see how we can collaborate. Yes. So thank you, Vera. I'm really intrigued. And there are more, more subjects we could go to for like the adult eco, uh, decontamination. And I hope that you are going to refer on this too yes we'll make another another call about it another call an appointment so thank you very much and goodbye thank you goodbye